Well, once again, it's yet another record broken by Senor Max Verstappen. He's went to 17 wins in a season and he's overtaken Alan Prost to sit, I believe, now third on the list of all-time race winners at the Grand Ole Aster 26. Welcome back to Grid Talk. My name is Tom Downey and here today we're going to discuss the 2023 Sao Paulo, a.k.a. Brazilian, a.k.a. everybody's favourite circuit, Grand Prix. Joining me, we have Charlie White, who is now a Grid Talk regular. Good evening. Howdy, everyone. Hello, sir. And we also have, back for yesterday's appearance, the eSports extraordinaire, Mr. Jonah. Good afternoon. Just before we get into this episode, we must thank our sponsor, Bet Online. So, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-B, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Get online, where the game starts. Also, please do be sure to give our socials a follow at Gritalk UK. I would say they're brand new, but they are about six months old now. So give it three weeks and have a market will be replacing with something else. So today we are, and I say that as a Red Bull fan, so t- today we are going, I thought of that one on the fly, uh, this is what happens when I host late at night. So first time looking, today we're going to be discussing the 2023 Sao Paulo, probably referred to it as the Brazilian Grand Prix. So every year it does certainly deliver, certainly everyone that I've seen live, and once again I, you, we did have another absolute bang this certainly I think. But so Charlie, just coming to you first, Williams uh, is... Bit of a tricky one for them today because Albon ultimately caught up in that lap one instant. Nobody really at fault. It was a racing instant. And then Logan Sargent, P11. Do you think that with yeah with that many DNFs that we had today, do you think it's a bit of a missed opportunity for Williams to sneak a point bearing in mind the likes of Alpha Tarrant got two? I think given Sargent was ahead of Hulkenberg, who didn't have to get anything replaced that i'm aware of anyway piastri had to do the rear end completely at least the rear wing if not anything else more structural and ricardo had some repairs that he also had to do he beat a haas outright if there's something granted from that again with all the dnfs and all that's all that fun stuff that happened at the start that made it it's quite again brazil you never, you never know what you're going to get, and you're always happy when it cap, when it happens because it's a phenomenal track. But anyway, I don't think they could have flirted with points today. Ocon was ahead of him in P10, and Sonoda was in P9, and they just the Al- the Alpha Tories again just are improving so much uh, in comparison to the what they have been. In, in the past, taking Ricardo's situation out of the equation because, again, of the damage and having to start from the pit lane on the restart. Sonoda was still ninth, and I know I'm not talking about them right now, but the fact that Sargent was 11th, I think that's probably where they they should be happy with that. It would have been nice, but the Alpines also looked really good today, too. Again, we're not talking about their, them yet. So I think given everything with Albon being knocked out, which must have been super frustrating for him because... No, it was a racing incident, but you're being squeezed in by one Haas to then ping pong off another Haas and then into the corner, and you're the one that gets rode off the most, and the guy who caused it, I'm pretty sure it was Hulkenberg, <laughs> he carried on. 
So I imagine he was, I imagine he wasn't terribly happy, but I think Williams should be all right, given everything that they ended up with a P11. That's fair enough. I mean, they are pretty much nailed on for P7 in the Constructors. It's not like they're locked in the Constructors battle. Um, unlike, you could say, Jonah, to, to an extent, Alfa Romeo. So obviously, last time out in Mexico, they dropped, they dropped one place, I believe, to, no, potentially even two places off of Tari. I can't remember if it was one or two. Um, they are now sitting P9 in the Constructors. Given that every point matters, having a double DNF with power issues is not really what they needed. Especially given they were showing, certainly Bottas was showing some early pace. He's putting this, we saw a couple of good overtakes from him all, all, all the way out to Chung Kao, then down, down the main straight and into Turn 1. What do we say about them by this point? Every week we see him go, wait for the early money. But if, if it even comes by this point, just another disaster for them. Yeah, Alfa Romeo is just, I, I say it every time I'm on Grid Talk, but it's it's not underwhelming when you expect this to happen. Maybe you don't expect a double DNF, but you expect a pretty solid underperformance from the two of the two Alfa Romeos. Now, whether or not that's their fault, different story. Like you said, Valtteri had some good pace, was making some good moves. If that's on a Williams, is it really that nice of a move from what we've seen Valtteri? I mean, he's won a, he's won a sprint here. He's done well at, at Sao Paulo before, but yeah, it's not necessarily surprising anymore. It's a shame for the Alphas. It's a shame for for Stake and Kick trying to putting their name all over that car, but it's the nature of the sport. And people are saying we're waiting for the Audi money. We're waiting for the Audi money. We're waiting for the Audi money. I don't think the Audi money is going to fix it. Now we're nowadays we're in the age of a cost cap where, yeah, maybe Alfa Romeo is not spending one hundred and forty five million dollars. Maybe they're spending one hundred and twenty, one hundred and twenty five, whatever it might be. But Audi still is capped. They're, they still only have a certain amount of money that they're going to be able to spend. And if they're not getting a good baseline and they're not getting a good product to work with day one, I don't expect huge improvements from them. I don't expect huge improvements from the Alfa Romeos. And next year, what is going to be Sauber uh, or what is going to return back to Sauber? It's just, it's not unexpected anymore. And it's a shame because I love Valtteri and, and, and Joe has really improved over the last year, but I, I don't see it getting any better. Yeah, they're very much just trading water by this point. And you made a very good point that there is obviously still the cost gap in place and Audi can come in with all the greatest ambitions that they want. But if they, they're not exactly inheriting a team that's even challenging for the midfield at the moment, which is a bit of a shame. But Charlie, speaking of trying to challenge for, for a midfield, Uday, Haas, they're now rooted to the bottom of the Constructors' Championship. And what they really didn't need in a race where... You know, where potentially a point could have been picked up here or there, bear in mind they were starting P11 and P12 after penalties were applied, was a DNF at turn one on lap one, and then the other driver to be lapped as he was chewing up his rear tyres quicker than you know, Lord knows what. We can, we could touch on the first lap incident if, if you want. Obviously, both Haas cars were actually involved in that, and then ultimately Hulkenberg... I think he was running in the points, but then his rear tyres just said, nah, not today, mate. And then just decided to exit stage left and just died off a cliff. I think if Haas had any chance of having a, a decent weekend in the last three, including today, and to flirt with the points, this would have been what you call, in my opinion, an, an unmitigated disaster because everything unraveled the moment Crofty said, lights out and away we go and away we went and then we were done because they ping-ponged around you lost k-mag immediately and i think they were saying that the track temperatures if that was today or yesterday i'm pretty sure it was today 
enough for the sprint. We're hovering still around 47 degrees Celsius. Like the Haas already chews up its tires and the other two tracks coming up are only going to be hotter. So they're, they had today was the last chance they honestly had to do anything of anything, but it's Haas. They're, they're dead last in a team that at not even at the start, you're coming out of the break. If you took K K Mag's performance, dismal performance this year out of Hulkenberg was doing all right. He was dragging the team along as best as he could for the car that what it was. He, he definitely won the O qualifying and O, uh, and O placing between the two of them. And most of the points are from him, but as upgrades came in, they just kept slipping and the upgrades that they did put on didn't do anything to help them. So it's just going to be, let's get these last two races in and try not to spend any more money than we have to, which is essentially the Haas mentality because that's why they hired, they re-signed Hulkenberg for this year and kept K-Mag instead of going with an unknown commodity or keeping Schumacher. It's just, let's not spend money. And I guess the return for that is last. Is it a good investment to not spend money? Yes, but is it a good investment if you're not spending money and losing everything? <laughs> That's not what nobody plays the game to lose. Yeah, that's pretty well said. To be honest, they've they signed up both the drivers quite early in this season, and I think a decision that left a couple of people's eyebrows raised, including mine. And I don't mean the eyebrow I got in the middle. It was it was say yeah, it was a bit of a that's a monobrow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I, I still think they they were a bit quick to to sign up Alpha Tari next up Jonas they had a bit of a I'd say a bit, they had more than a bit of a a bit of a resurgence recently that continued today Daniel Cardo got obviously unlucky in turn one because you know, he he was collateral damage with that tyre rim that was flying about and then Yugi Snowed after starting P16 fine drive and ended up P9 I mean you know that's those are two more points in the fight or for P, what's now P8 in, in the constructors in a car that I believe is the most developed car on the grid. It's just, yeah. After, after the highs of last week, do, do, you think, do you think that there's only a certain amount we can take from them for, for this race because of the damage to Ricardo? Yeah, yeah I, I think it is. I think there is because at the end of the day, we only got one sample size being Yuki. We didn't exactly get a sample from Danny Rick. That's super unlucky. You got a tire flying at you. What are you going to do? That's really unfortunate. A really shame for Danny Rick. I know he loves. I know he loves racing around here. Real shame. But I love Yuki Sonoda. What that guy's incredible. If you look at what he's gone through, he was put in. We get to Bahrain. This is him and teammate number one in like the worst car in the on the grid. It was atrocious. Then we get to teammate number two. Then we get to teammate number three, and it's oh my god, this guy's had fourteen different guys drive this AlphaTauri, and he's helped develop the car over time. It's the most developed car on the grid, like you said. And now we're starting to see results. I love Yuki Sonoda. There's th- this guy's incredible. He's I love him. I love him. And you know what? I think that it's a very small sample size we can take from Brazil because we only had one Alpha Tauri to realistically look at. Same thing with the McLarens. But yeah, it's good on him. Good on Yuki. Good on Alpha Tauri. I don't. I've said this before. I don't love the fact that there's a junior team in Formula One. If you want to have a junior team, put it in Formula Two. That's where you should develop your drivers. I think that having a team on the grid that's never going to have a chance of winning anything significant because they're always going to be second fiddle to the actual team. I don't like that. I've never liked that. Put it in a different category. Train your drivers somewhere else. Train them on the sim. 
don't take up that spot on the grid from a team that could compete and give us another company or another team fighting for podium. We've seen Alfa on the podium before, but still, I, I don't like that, but I digress. Hell yeah, Yuki, you did awesome. I love it. I love you, Yuki. You're awesome. It was great. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I, I do semi-disagree in that for a driver to develop an F1, they can do all the simulator time they need, but ultimately, to, to get used to F1, because obviously the difference with the with the hybrid systems and obviously the extra G-force and the, the event of a weekend, all the rest of it. And ultimately, if there are teams on the grid, someone has to finish first and someone has to finish last. Yeah, so I, I I see where you're coming from. I do semi-disagree with it. And there's only so much in F2 that, that a driver can do. But, but yeah, that's, that, that is, that's a very interesting take. Just before we go on, I just want to say, I've just had a quick look on the FAA website, but my internet didn't go on the blink. And I just want to mention that the Sao Paulo F1 organization has been summoned to the stewards. Now, this is for spectator track invasion prior to the conclusion of the 2023 Sao Paulo Grand Prix. So basically, what that means is Max has obviously crossed the line, fireworks gone off, all the rest of it, and we then had that supreme Alonso and Perez fight behind with Lando or CMP2. We'll get onto those in a minute, but I just want to mention this quickly. I've just seen this. It's, it's the event organizers have been summoned to the to, to the stewards, especially after when you think about what happened in Baku or the rest of it. Certainly for me, it's a bit of a joke that we still see this kind of thing going on. But we're going to reference it now because it wasn't in my scripts, but we'll have a chat about that after, when we're going through the rest of the teams. Just begins to look a little bit further up the grid. I say that, we're going to talk about Mercedes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but it's a little bit funny. So Mercedes obviously have been on a bit of a resurgence, Charlie. They have had they, they had P2 in Cota. Hamilton was pushing for the win. Ultimately got disqualified. The pace still appeared to be there. And then the Supreme P2 last week in Mexico. Why is that pace gone? Because we saw them make a good start in the sprints, which, which was talked about yesterday on, on, on the show. And then today we saw them make a good start after the red flag restart, but then... They just tumble backwards. You know, I don't know if they were protecting rear tyres or if it was an issue with the setup or, or what, but Hamilton ultimately finished, he finished P8 and then Russell DNF towards the end of the race. He, he didn't DNF late enough to be classified. It was reported that he DNF uh, to basically prevent overheating of his power unit, which, I mean, if they were tumbling backwards, he was heading at the point of the rate he was going. He's he was, he was being passed by the world and his wife, as, as the saying goes. So, any ideas as to where that Mercedes pace has gone? I have no clue. When we were doing the live chat before everything started, I made a joke on a team that we haven't covered yet that they're going to have a good a day as a lead balloon on gravity day and then start tumbling down. And it turned out it was Mercedes being the lead balloon on gravity day because they just they couldn't get anywhere. And they tried softs. The, the mediums did not work. At all, Hamilton at one point was having, but he came on the radio and said that the left tire was pulling right, and they, it, I don't know if it was a setup issue or just a bad day at the office for everybody because that car came in, and you were expecting to for, I don't know if it would contend necessarily for a podium. Hamilton may have. I don't think Russell's pace would have allowed for it, given the results of the last couple races, but. Going in, I think it would have been safe money to say, yeah, now Mercedes will perform well. They'll be in there with the McLarens and the Ferraris. And surprise, 
as the saying goes, anything can happen in F1. And this is one of those ones where you, you just couldn't, like he was passed by Gasly, like he was standing, Hamilton was passed by Gasly, like standing still. Just a pylon, yeah. a silver arrowed pylon that the Alpine just went doot, doot, to do. And if the Alpines are making you look bad, not saying they are bad, but if the Alpines are making you look bad, then I don't think old Toto is very happy today. I don't think he's very happy at all. And then Russell, he just kept chirping on the radio, this, that, and the other thing. And I think he wasn't focusing on what he needed to be doing. And that was trying to salvage whatever, whatever race they could get out of that car. There's more chatting going on than there. Were, I think there was actual driving and there were 71 laps of that. So it was just a bizarre day for Mercedes. Yeah. Like the Alpha Tauris looked better than the Mercedes. Like pretty much everything looked better other than the Haas. And again, we already covered Haas. They looked terrible, but Mercedes did not look good and they were in Haas territory today. If in comparison to where they should be. Yes, bit of a bit of a bump back down to earth for them, I think, today. It's gone from toe-to-toe to, to no on, on the pit wall for, for some of what they've done. But uh, Jonah, speaking of teams which almost under-promised and over-delivered, so the reverse of Mercedes this weekend, let's quickly talk about Alpine. Obviously, Ocon had his issues in the sprints where he basically punched himself in the face and then accused Alonso of doing it. But we're not going to talk about the sprint because that was yesterday. But this is indeed today or tomorrow if you're in a different time zone. Right, Dazzly started, he started with P13, I believe. No, P15, my apologies. He started P15, that's right, because he had a, he had a super good penalty. He ultimately finished P7, and then Ocon started P14 and finished P10. So, double points for Alpi. There's like sitting pretty in six in the constructors, not really under threat, not really a threat to McLaren ahead, probably under threat from Williams behind, but. In such a sort of like topsy turvy season that they've had, do you think this is potentially one of their best race weekends? Because double point and good ability issues when other teams did. Do you think that they could have, well, I say got a bit more? You know, do you think this is potentially their best race weekend? Yeah. It's tough. Um, any of my friends who know me know I'm a, I'm a notorious Alpine hater and I have been for a really long time. So I'll try and keep it as unbiased as possible, aside from Espanol Ocon, because God, that guy bothers me. But yeah, I think it's about as well as I could have done, really. Shoutouts to Gasly. I love Pierre. I love Pierre since he was at AlphaTauri, since he went to Red Bull, since he went back to AlphaTauri, and now that he's at Alpine, was a really sad day for me when he signed there. But you know what? He did really well. He did really well. I think it's, the, yeah, the best race weekend that Alpine could have asked for this year. Uh, I think it's a real ultra shock, if I say that, because at the end of the day, Alpine's higher management thought that the way to make a faster car was firing everybody who does that for you. And you know what? The the fact that they're not getting any results is that's at the end of the day, yeah, this is pretty self inflicted from the guys at Alpine Renault. Yeah, good on Gasly. P seven's really good from P fifteen. He was driving that car like a madman. Esteban Ocon, you're the last points finisher. Nothing to flex at really. When Alpine was saying that they were going to fight for a constructors title and they were going for P three and the constructors just a few years ago, and now they're settling behind both Aston Martin and McLaren, who. If you look at 20 races ago, McLaren would have been where Williams and where, not even where Williams, where Haas and Alfa Romeo are. But that's a development that you see, and you see tangible development from a team that is competent and a team that puts the right people in the right places and trusts that this doesn't happen overnight. Now, keep in mind from McLaren's side, that's ridiculously fast that happened. 
But when you look at that, and Alpine go the opposite way of taking Otmar Zafnauer and his pink BWT that's plastered all over the rest of that car for this year, and they say, you're not getting us podiums, you're gone, you're fired. It's like, how do you expect to build your car overnight? It's not going to happen. You put two guys, two race winners, two race winners, both by fluke, but two race winners in that car. You have two, you have a good driver at Esteban Ocon. It like, and I say good driver and Esteban Ocon, like Pierre's really good. I don't like Esteban. Your car is not going to be a race winner overnight. It took Mercedes four years to nail the hybrid, to nail the hybrid engine of obviously not using it. It took them time to build that car. They had dominance. Red Bull sat in second place and third place compared to Ferrari for a long time before they built that RB16B and then the RB19. It does not happen overnight. And the fact that Alpine is doing that and getting like a P10 and a P7 and they're like, this is the best race weekend of the year. That's just straight depressing for them. And I feel really bad for Alpine fans. Well, harsh words indeed. To be fair, it was me who said that it was the best race weekend of the year. But I think that goes to show that given they had something like three double DNFs in this many race weekends in the middle of the season. Yeah. I wonder how many years are into their third iteration of their five-year plan as well. I wonder if now that Otmar's gone. A good point. They gave him the boot after, after they weren't getting podiums. Have you seen the rest of the career, Dave? But yeah, our five-year plan... Yeah, I do remember them coming to F1 and, and talking about it back in 2016 when they first came into the sport. Speaking of other things that uh, that begin with a five, if you want to give us a five-star review on Spotify or a five-star facing on our own Apple podcast, please do be sure to, to do... Thank you for the applause, gentlemen. Please, please do be sure to to do so. We do every review and we appreciate any, any reviews, comments, feedback, etc. Yes, please do indeed leave, leave us a review if you would be so kind. But going from a five-star performance to... Oh, boy... Charlie Ferrari just gives some content, the context that you want to talk about when I said coming from a five star review. First off, Carlos Sainz started P7 and finished P6. Now, on, on paper, that doesn't look great, but he got caught up in the second restart, so the red flag restart, as, as we'll call it, and then ultimately picked his way back through the field. We stuck behind the Mercs for, for a little while, but we can't ignore the elephant in the room or the elephant that's stuck in the barrier at the start of the third sector on the formation lap. Ferrari fans, I'm sorry, but Charles Leclerc started, started P2, but he didn't start P2. He started P dead, mate. Yeah, he was supposed to start P2, and he was entering the middle. I, I call it the middle portion of the track. It's halfway through sector two. He's entering the infield section. We, we don't quite know what the issue was. It was apparently a hydraulic issue. But there was also definitely some form of differential issue or something, or some power issue, because his rear is just locked as he entered that hand. Spat him off into the barrier. Car was kaput. And his race... I think my internet just went again. I don't know how much of that we caught. But, but I, what, what, what I did say, Charlie, was obviously Leclerc it was over before it all started. Where do we begin with Ferrari? If I can just humor everybody with a little story about ponies and racing. The only time I ever bet on them, they all line up in their little thing, right? Their little starting stalls and the little horn goes, da, 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 da. the door opens up and the one I bet on came out of the gate, immediately hooked right and crashed into the wall and was done before anything. So that's how the Claire's race was today. It was over before it even started. And thanks for showing up. I guess you cost us a lot of money because, and I don't mean to be harsh because as a 
Charles myself, I feel like I got to back the guy because there's not very many of us in the world anymore. That was hashtag Ferrari things. Like it was, if it was going to happen to any team, it was going to be a Ferrari and it was going to be Leclerc because that is just how that boys season has been. Sainz had a pretty uneventful race, kept his nose clean, no screw ups in the pits. When he battled for battled for position, gained some spots. No, it was he had a very tidy race. But it's just it, it would be funny if it wasn't so depressing for such a, a, a team steeped in history that it happens to their quote unquote star driver when really this year science has proven again over and over again that he really is the first driver of the pair. And I could go on, but I just don't feel like kicking a dead horse. Yeah, it's safe to say that that's certainly one of the prancing horses has, has gone a bit lame. And yeah, the, at, at least signs is still going. And I agree with you that Seth signs is the number one driver. You know, some people were lauding Leclerc getting two poles in, in a row with that car. Signs did it first and he won a race. Let's calm him down a bit, shall we? I know Leclerc is the golden boy in Ferrari, but we see a lot with Ferrari where and they will always favour their preferred driver, even if said driver is underperforming. As is the case right now, if I had a come see, I'd be sipping it right now. You know, just to prove a point. That's that's you know, that's that's a whole podcast in itself, mind. But Jonah, Aston Martin, obviously, you know, one of the drivers Canadian, one 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 of one of your homeboys. For once, we can actually talk about him in a good light. Because Aston Martin have just basically like I said they should have done after Mexico, they've gone control Z in autocads or whatever they use and they're back alonso p3 had a supreme battle with perez in those that close that closing stint perez was doing all the right things but alonso what a wily old fox he is in that car putting his car in all the right places taking different lines making sure he got a good launch out of junk cow and then that last lap switch back that he did oh my good lord what a defence. And then Lance Stroll, we didn't see that much of him, but you know, he, he, he started P3. Okay, he started P3 and finished P5, so on paper, that's not great. But he still finished ahead of a charging Ferrari. You know, Stroll, P5, down from P3, but you, he's, st- he's still putting good moves. Kept your pace, lost lost a few positions at the start. And then Alonso, as as I said before, is rudely cut off by the World Wide Web, was, uh, was, was P3. Brilliant day of the office for them. Going in there. You know, off off you go. Yeah, I, I love how it's become an off you go because I just go on tangents about things and become an Instagram reel, and that's great content. I feel like Aston Martin, I'm going to try and pull it up and then show it to my camera because I feel like Aston Martin has become the epitome of this meme. Now, I myself, who is well-versed in meme culture, this is Aston Martin. It's a graph. And it says, we're so back, it's over, we're on our way, it's over, we're so... It's all over the place. That has been Aston Martin's season. They can't figure out if their car is good, they make an upgrade, it's supposed to be good, it sucks, they go back, control V, or control Z, all over the place. Now, Fernando, that's a masterclass, that is a classic Fernando, that is a Ferrari Fernando, putting a car that doesn't belong where it shouldn't be, oh god, that is Fernando... In 2012, it's just, it's, I love it. I love seeing Nando driving like that. I love seeing it. It's awesome. 
Now, the greatest driver of all time, Lance Stroll. What a drive. Can we just talk about, like, how, what a guy, man. Finally, I can talk about a Canadian boy, a hometown boy, even though he was born in Montreal, beliefs that he, he drove well and he did a good job and he didn't complain and he didn't do anything stupid. He didn't make a dumb move. He didn't take somebody out. He just drove well and he brought home points. And you know what? Yes, Aston Martin is fighting McLaren for fourth in the standings. I don't care. That was awesome. Good on you, Lance. You're so back. Lance is so in it. World Drivers Championship in the next 10 years. Lance Stroll, his dad's not selling the team. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But still, good on Lance. That was awesome. I love being able to talk about a hometown boy in a good light. Fernando, that was retro. That was classic. That was what we love to see. That was Interlagos 2012. Was it 2012 when that classic meme of Fernando standing there with his helmet on after Seb won the world title? Come on. That's awesome. I love Nando. I love that he did that. It's great. The cool down room was awesome. Lando's Instagram post was great. Awesome. Yeah, it was a vintage Alonso performance. And it was actually a record ninth podium for him at Brazil without a win. I believe I heard Croft say, I might have got that slightly Yeah, it was it. It was definitely a record number of podiums without the wind at a single circuit. But yeah, so that was, that was, yeah, what a drive from, from both of them, you know, both drivers. Alonso gets a, a lot of the credit for what's going on today, and yes, because he's got on the podium. Sol was right there. Sol was in P5, and, and it, was, it was a good drive from all of them today. So lastly, Charlie McLaren. So, you know, a, a, a bit of a race of, Two halves if you split the garage down the middle. So Piastri, very unlucky at the start of pickups and debris. And he was, thank you, Jonah. He was a, uh, he was, he was a bit of collateral in that first lap melee. But Lando, P2, fastest lap. His fastest lap, by the way, was two seconds quicker than anybody else's lap. And now I know he did it in the closing stages where he had less fuel and he was on fresh off for the rest of it. But he did a 112.4 rate. And some people on the Grizz, I'm looking at you, Sergeant, etc. We struggled to do that in qualifying on race on qualifying fuel, let alone with race fuel. So, you know, so Norris, once again, P2, he started from P6, and uh, he, both times he made, so I want to say both times, the first race start, he made an electric start to get to P2, and then did the red flag restart from P2, held on to it, held off Alonso in his opening stages, and then the merge before the eight dead tyres, like Augustus Gloop, that he was holding off Hamilton as well. This is what his records, number obviously record. I think it's his best ever season in terms of points scored. But I want to pose a bigger question to you because it's easy to sit here and Charlie, man, I like this one. It's easy for us to, but no, Charlie, what, what I was about to say, and thankfully I remember this time I was about to say, because this is the third time I've been in there, is Lando, is it, will he ever win a race? Because he's had a few, more than a few chances now. And do you think he's always destined to be the bride? I think he will. I genuinely think he will. I think this year is a bit of a, it's hard to, to measure anything given that Red Bull, given the dominance of it. But you can see the racemanship that he has and how it's developing and everything. Because at the start, the first start of the race, before everything went to a very hot place in a handbasket and tires went everywhere, Alonso had aimed 
I'm pretty sure it was the first start where he had aimed. Yeah, because he was behind. He was Alonso was aimed right, and Lando realized situational with situational awareness. Now he was sitting there for a little bit, granted, but he knew that he could try and exploit that gap when Fernando took off, and he did. And he would jump from where did he start P6 to P2 in the first. He passed four people in the first go because he had the situational awareness, the racemanship to go. I'm going to put my car there, and it, I know it's fast enough to get me through. And he committed to it. He didn't back down. And he got behind Max and away he went. Yes, with the sprint and everything, he, he lost P1 to, to Max for that. And it's just the story of the year is just, oh, it's Max. I think this year, comparing that is apples and oranges. I do think he will eventually get one, especially if McLaren keep on this technological and performance increase. I think... If they can build off this year and go into next year where they leave off this year instead of having a decent end to 2022 and then seemingly forgetting everything and then reverting back to garbage and Bahrain, having to start the process over again. I think that they could be I think they could be a real contender next year to Max, especially Lando specifically. And just I said in the chat too, I just think we should also take a moment to appreciate the garage crews because Piastri, they could have just said, now we're done. It's going to be too big a job to replace the rear end, whatever it was they had to do. And they kept at it. And yes, it was a longer red flight because there was a lot of bits and pieces, but that's why they're there and they should get a bit of the glory as well. Piastri didn't do very well, but it's why the garage crews are there and they never give enough spotlight. So well done to the crews to get Piastri from being pretty much out of the race to being able to at least complete the race because Russell could do that. So, and he didn't get damage. Well done for McLaren on all sides, just for different reasons. That was only a brief, brief disconnect that time. Thank you, internet. Yes. As I was about to say before my internet, once again, rudely cut me off was, uh, yeah, that was a very good point. It would be very easy for McLaren to say, we're not going to send the car and we haven't got time, all the rest of it, but they did an incredible job changing that rear wing. And the same has to be said about Alfa Tauri with getting Daniel Riggs car back up and running. Better mind both cars were carrying damage as well. So Jonah finally, Red Bull, Max record 17 wins in the season. Overtaking Alan Pross, he's now 52 wins. And if he wins next week, say if he wins next week in Vegas, he'll equal Seb's record of 53 wins. Also, Perez. Now, let's put Max one side a bit because he, but Perez, and we've had a lot of discussions about this season. Do you think we're do you think we're beginning to see the old Perez back, the one that Red Bull knew they were signed? Yes, didn't have the best qualifying across that bit, but the yellow flags or the rest of it, but he was looking really racy today. And maybe I'm being a bit optimistic, but do you think maybe if it wasn't Alonso that was defending a friend of him, do you think maybe if it was someone else of less experience or less perhaps less racing intuition that We'd have seen him back on that podium today because he was only 0.053 seconds behind Alonso in that final drag race to the line. You know, that that's tough because you make a good point. I do think that that if it was anybody except for Fernando, that yeah, he might have been on that podium. That's it's a tough thing, it's a tough call to make. Do I think we're seeing the old Sergio back? Red Bull didn't sign Sergio Perez to be P4. Red Bull signed Sergio Perez to be P2 
and Max's sidekick, if you even want to call it that. There's a word I can't say on a live podcast that I would like to use, but that's not the case. I don't know if he's back because you know what? At the end of the day, how much of your reputation can you really recover after you haven't qualified in the top four? And I think it was like the last 14 Grand Prix or something like that or the top three. Dude, your car is so good. Like, how are you not there? And But that also begs the question that my mom and I like to entertain when we're sitting there watching the race that is the Red Bull actually that good? Or was Max just that good in a pretty good car? Because if Sergio was so consistently inconsistent and consistently not that great, but Max is just that good. Now, obviously, I know the car is built around Max. Everybody knows the car is built around Max. But is the Red Bull as dominant as we think it is? Or are we just witnessing a phenomenal and one of the best drivers of all time in his prime? Easy answer to that question is yes, he is one of the best drivers of all time. Yes, he's in his prime. He's unbeatable right now. But is that the car? Because we're seeing the second Red Bull not that good. Like he's qualified P9. I understand he got caught up by the red flag, but that doesn't excuse him for the other 14 Grand Prix that happened before this. He's not on the podium today behind an Aston Martin that has only gone backwards in terms of development, behind McLaren that is otherworldly, and behind a guy who I'm pretty sure is an alien. There's no way, like, if there's no way that the car is just that good, because if the car is just that good, it would probably make up for a lot of Sergio's shortcomings. Now, I don't think he's back. I think we need a few more races to tell if he's back. I'd like him to be back. Not for McLaren's sake, but God, I don't want that guy to be out of Formula One. An entire crowd showed up just to see him last week, right? Do we lose a race on the calendar if Sergio's not in it? Or do we go to another continent? <clears throat> Kyle Lummy. But I, I don't know. It's going to take a lot more than that. Once again, kudos to Max. This guy's unreal. He's I'm like 99.9% .9 sure he's not an alien. Um, or he's an alien. He's not a human being. There's no way that he doesn't make a single mistake like ever other than his spin in Coda, which was in practice. The guy's otherworldly. The car was good. Adrian knew he's a genius. Christian Horner loves Max a lot and is okay. Sergio's also here. But I don't really know if it's the car or if it's just Max is that good. So that's pretty interesting to say, Phil. And he's definitely one of those age-old questions that we've had enough when, you know, we had it obviously when Hamilton was dominating and, and we were saying, is it the car? And it's like, that was the fact that the driver is that good. And you said it yourself that drivers work with cars, and we're definitely seeing a case of driver and machine working as one, I would say. And do, we, do I think Red Bull tailor the development of Max's preferences? Yes. And it's like, why do they do that? Because he's a three time world champion. He's won three on the bounce, and he's not, and he is incapable of not winning. It's like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's slightly mad that Lando got fastest lap and he didn't. You see what it's like when, he wants, when he's got such a that he wants to pit for softs just to get fastest lap. He is a born and bred racer, and and we're, we're seeing that in abundance. Let's not forget the kid's only 26. He's 26, and he's won 52 races, and that's not counting sprints. So 52 Grand Prix, I should say. So, uh, But hey-ho, you know, he might retire by the time he's 28. I doubt it, but you know, the, the, the form he's in, I don't see why he would. But... Yes, that was our roundup of the 2023 Sao Paulo Grand Prix. I mean, for me, absolutely, that's another banger. It's worth saying as well, we, we did hear yesterday, I think it was, that the circus had his contract extended until 2030. So another seven years, bit of a no-brainer. 
But, you know, with the way F1's going, I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up racing on the Antarctic at this rate. And Max would still win. But I just want to give my host a quick, uh, sorry, my, my panelists, I should say, a quick, quick chance to promote themselves. So, Charlie, I said you're now a Grid Talk regular. Have you got any social media, anything you want to give us a quick shout out or, you know, tell people about? Or? Nah, not really. I do my own video editing on the side now. So, Charlie edits TV if he needs some video work done, but that would be it. I don't do full time broadcasting anymore because. I just like hanging out with you guys too much. So oh. I, I say I, I, my, my platform for this will be go check out the back catalog of grid talk and Tom and Sophia do formula talk. And it's what got me into following F2 truthfully, because before that I had no idea about it because there's so little coverage of it in Canada. So I love that. Thanks for I appreciate it. And Jonah, I said you're an esports extraordinaire. You are, you are, I believe, the Max Verstappen of the esports worlds, where you are a multi, you are a multiple champion in your field. I don't know if I call myself the Max Verstappen, but yes, I, my, I myself have a three world titles. But if you want to find me anywhere, you can find me on the majority of the North American Grid Talks. We don't do the Soft Tire podcast anymore, but if you want to go check it out, it's still on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And I'm one of the two resident Canadians on Grid Talk. Absolutely. And it's been a pleasure for me hosting Dumb and Dumber for, for the for the Canadian representation tonight. So thank you, Chad, for, for joining. That is tongue in cheek, just in case anybody didn't pick up. But hopefully I can do this outfit before my internet claps out again. Grid Talk is available on YouTube, where most episodes are recorded live, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the Music Football, and Pocket Gas. Just search Grid Talk wherever you find your shows and you will where you find your podcast, I should say, and you will find our back catalog of previews and reviews to all sessions. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get better mic lights and recording equipment. Also, make sure you are subscribed so you're the first to know when each new episode is released. We'll be back soon with plenty more F1 content. I believe that'll be next week to preview the Las Vegas, Woo, Cannot Wait, Grand Prix, where I see the Crofters run the whole weekend saying what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Hopefully he stays in Vegas. But in, until then, thank you very much for listening to the Grid Talk podcast presented by Best Online. Thank you to my panelists and goodbye.